Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. The game is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Osman Auction. And now, the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 6.30 chat. Well, we've seen this before for the second time in less than two weeks. The San Jose Sharks route the Edmonton Oilers 7-2, the final damage tonight. Back on December 29th, it was 7-4 at Rogers Place as the Oilers drop back to 500 on the season 2020-3 for the year. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in. And this one... Well, started getting away from the Oilers pretty early. I mean, they allowed a goal six and a half minutes in. They were down 2 nothing. They did strike back to 2-1, and that has often been their problem lately. They allow a response goal by the opposition uh, right away, 49 seconds later. 3-1 for the Sharks after the first period, and they more or less rolled from there. Well, the one worry that you had going into this game for the Oilers is they've gotten off to slow starts every game on this road trip. It hasn't killed them simply because they've been playing teams that can't score. And we thought, okay, if they go into this game against the San Jose Sharks, a very high-powered and deep offensive team, if they leak, if they leak chances, grade-A scoring chances, San Jose will capitalize, and they did. Now, they got some breaks, but you get breaks when you're applying pressure shift after shift after shift when you're putting pucks towards the net. So uh, the San Jose Sharks were a much better hockey club tonight. And the things that have hurt the Oilers this year, again, uh, lacks uh, defensive zone coverage, not getting pucks out, losing men in their own zone, and not getting a save when they needed it. All those things came into play tonight. Yeah, I mean, the Sharks putting the puck uh, around the net a lot. The final shots were 36-22 for San Jose. That's a, a repeated issue as well. The Oilers often getting outshot lately, in some cases quite badly. You had Burns with four shots, Carlson with five shots. Uh, You had Evander Kane getting seven shots and two goals tonight and and obviously the Oilers not generating nearly enough. So they go two and two on the four game road trip. Uh, You know they were able to do enough to get a win in Arizona. Good bounce back game in Anaheim on Sunday night and the other two games really got away with them. I mean an all around bad game in in Los Angeles, and then tonight just just whipped by a better team. Well, a better team, and, and you look at San Jose, and you say, okay, how come this team is so much better? Well, it starts on defense. They've got two world-class defensemen, Burns and Carlson. Carlson, when he went over to San Jose during the, the offseason, you're thinking, okay, they are now a Stanley Cup contender. He got off to a slow start, uh, but once he found his legs and found his spot on this team, he's been dynamic. He's already started. He's already set a record for San Jose. This was the 14th straight game with a point. He's been on fire. But the big reason outside of that why this team is so successful is their depth up front. The one thing that Hitch wants to do with with the Oilers, and has tried a couple times, is breaking up the three stars and having three lines. McDavid, 
Drysaddle and Nugent Hopkins. The problem with for him is he doesn't have anyone to play with them that can complement them. Well, this team, Evander Kane plays on their third line with, I believe he's with Domsky, Donskoy. Their second line has Hurdle and Couture. Their first line's got Pavelski and Thornton. So all three of their star players are split up, but they also have a star player playing with them. Someone that can produce, someone that can put the puck in the net. And the Oilers, in all honesty, have no match for that. No, they don't. And, you know, that's uh, that's a roster issue. And mm-hmm. we've talked about this before. And, uh, look, I, we get them every night, and I'm not going to read every single fire Shirelli, I hate Shirelli text that we get. Uh, I get it. But, yeah, they're... The game against LA, it was a it was a bad effort. Yes, they, they, the players shriveled up. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, but you know, again, they they don't have enough skilled players that can apply pressure. Uh, they don't tr- get the puck out of their own zone effectively enough. Uh, sure, there are some players having disappointing seasons that aren't playing up to expectations. But uh, yeah, I mean, we've talked about some of the recent trades where you're like, well. Okay, he didn't necessarily trade a star player, but I'd sooner have him than him. Well, I'd sooner have Kajula in my lineup right now. It would make the team a better team up front. Um, this San Jose is a just simply a better hockey club than the Edmonton Oilers. And San Jose is missing an Olympian on their back end. Flasic, who would have been playing all night long against Connor McDavid, he's their best shutdown defenseman by far. He's not in it, and Braun's not in the lineup as well. Another top four. The difference between the Sharks and the Oilers, the Sharks can absorb injuries and still win hockey games. The Edmonton Oilers can't. Clefbaum's still out of the lineup. I mean, the Oilers' injured chart now is much smaller, yep. yet one guy in Clefbaum hurts them so badly that uh, their record with what they got two wins now since Clef Palm's been gone. You've got to tread water when you when you have injuries because every team has them, but the Oilers haven't been able to tread water, and that's why they are where they are in the standings. Just got a message from Bruce McCurdy from the Cult of Hockey. Uh, the Oilers outshot 128-86 on the road trip, so that's 42 shots. In averaging 10 a game. They're yeah. getting outshot by, and I, I and I don't keep track of it, but I'm sure grade-A scoring chances are much more in favor of the opposition in, in those games, too. The Oilers, when they leak, they leak big opportunities. Yeah, and the, and, and that's the thing. Tonight, you know, the, the, the number, okay, sure, San Jose, whatever, a couple bouncing off, mm-hmm. sta- off skates, I mean, I get it. You always say, well, your goalie got to make make your goalie has to make some saves. But when there's that much pressure and zone time, it's con- it was constant. I, I, yeah, you don't pin it on the goal. And and I know that Bob talked about the fact that the others hit a couple posts and had a couple chances. But well, the, sure, shark, but the, shark, the Sharks missed some great yeah. opportunities. I mean, the best opportunity missed was the one timer open net very end of the game. San Jose Shark had one of those too. This was a game. Uh, sometimes scores flatter. Sometimes scores don't really tell a story. I think today that score told the story of the hockey game. San Jose was that much better. 7-2. The Sharks win it. You're going to hear from Ken Hitchcock. You can reach us at 780-496-0063. Oilers Hockey presented by Osmond Auction. You're listening to Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Osmond Auction. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio. 6.30 chance. Yes, is picked off. Oh, 
Donskoy ahead to Hurdle. This has been the red-hot line for San Jose. Evander Kane shot and kick save made by Koskinen. All right, both Oilers goaltenders playing tonight as they get routed 7-2 by the Sharks. That's your save of the game, courtesy Jiffy Loop. Get winter ready at jiffyloopservice.ca. Rob Brown, Reed Wilkins, thanks a lot for joining us. So the Oilers go 2-2 two and two on this four-game road trip. They're now 20-20-3 and three on the season. Six of their next seven at home before they get their bye week in the All-Star break. They're going to have to make that run count. They are two points out of a playoff spot. 780-496-0063 is the open line number. We have Dan standing by. Hey, Dan. Hey, guys. How are you doing? Good. Good. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, first of all, uh, glad to see Lucic uh, score tonight. Needed that. He needed that. Um, <clears throat> my take here is, okay, we went 2-2 two and two on the road trip, 2023. If we're just a 500 team, I you know, I can live with that. I don't love it, but I can live with it. What I can't live with is us just getting screwed on these calls. I mean, the first period, you had a penalty shot where if that happened to Connor McDavid, I'm sorry, that's not a penalty shot, and it's not called. Well, that, but the thing is, you, you can't, can't argue it that way, though. That, that was a penalty shot. It was the right call. Well, I agree. I agree it was. And, but the problem is we never get that call. Connor McDavid has had one penalty shot in his NHL career. Well, that's usually because there's no one can catch him. When he gets well, a breakaway, no, no, no one comes close to him. There, you know what? You can go on. There's, the refing was not an issue tonight at all. The Oilers actually got a phantom, a phantom power play tonight. There was, I mean, you can. There's a lot of things that were wrong with this game tonight. Refing wasn't one of them. How about Petrovic getting run from behind? That could have been a two-minute. Could have been a two-minute penalty. But I mean, How about that's the, the delay game call. They took five minutes to look at it. Yeah, but it didn't matter. It was the right call. There was the right answer. It went into the bench. Sure? Yeah, it went into the bench. If it goes into the bench, I and it's a, it went over the stanchion. No, they well it went over it went over the glass, but landed in the bench. So that's the that's the call. When we Reed and I talk, but we think it's a dumb call. We think if it goes over the glass, that should be a penalty. But the rule is, if the puck ends up in the bench, it's not a it's not a penalty. The ref explained it to Hitch. You saw him go over there, so they made the right call. It's just, it's, uh, we agree, it's a, a dumb call, but it's the right one. Well, I mean, my point being, you look at last game, Lindholm hitting McDavid from behind. Even the Toronto media guys. No, you're you're right. Uh, It should have been a penalty. But the reason the Oilers are where they are in the standings has nothing to do with penalties, nothing to do with referees. The Oilers are just, the Oilers right now are a 500 hockey club and that's probably where they deserve to be. Yeah, but when you're a 500 team and you're getting zero calls, that makes a difference. If we were a good team, we're not getting the calls, that's fine. If we're a really bad team and not getting the calls, well, in all honesty, I, I don't think the referees have anything. To, the, the Oilers have bigger issues than the referees, and the issues is they have no wingers that can score, and they are thin on defense right now. 7-2 San Jose wins. Here's Oilers head coach Ken Hitchcock. Well, there were some strange goals, Gene. You know, like there was three or four deflections, but still, I don't know. It's hard to... Uh, your best players are minus you're, you're going to have a tough time winning games and so i don't know how many of them were fluky we looked at them there was three or four fluky ones but still they were attacking our net they this is two games in a row where they've just owned they've owned the red zone in our zone they've owned the front of the net they've owned the slot they've they've won they've knocked us right out of the box they're a damn good team they, they they're a team that's really on the move right now 
They're a damn good team, and they've they've owned they've owned what I call critical ice against us in two, the last two games. We we had our say in uh, the first game I came here, but the last two games they've really owned us in the in the what I call the prime primary is to score or defend it, and then just as good as we had lots of chances ourselves today, but they. They got stick on puck, or they got deflected, or they got stopped in their critical ice. So they, were, in the areas that you score in, in both ends of the rink, they were much better in these two games. Do you attribute that to them just being a better team? I don't like giving anybody credit for being a better team, but right now, in the areas that are winning areas, they played better than we did today. You know, we had, like I said. It seemed like every time we had a quality chance, within five seconds it was back in our net. And you look at, we just looked at f- four of the first five goals. That's exactly what happened. All the plays started in their end, and th- they all came off of our scoring chances that we missed. And then they ended up back within within ten seconds. They ended up in our net. All right, there's Ken Hitchcock as the Oilers get blown out in San Jose. 7-2 is the final. The Oilers' goals coming from Milan Lucic, his second of the season, and Alex Chason gets his 17th. All right, we have Jeff on the line. Hey, Jeff, go ahead. Hey, how's it going? Good. Uh, how do we fix the damage uh, Shirley has done? We could have had uh, uh, McDavid, Dreisaitl, Hall, Nugent Hopkins, and Eberle. Well, you're right. There, there are some holes in the lineup up front that they need to address. Uh, the expectations of the Yamamoto's, the Raddies, the Pugliarvis, uh, the Lucic, the Ryder, uh, they have not come to fruition. So uh, Peter Shirelli has come out and said he thinks that the players they have are good enough. They just have to play better. Um, right now, I, that's questionable if those players can get it done. We have uh, Skipper on the line. Hey, Skipper, go ahead. Hey, guys, how's it going tonight? Good. Thanks for taking the call. Um, yeah, just to touch on uh, your point earlier, I totally agree. It's not the ref. You know, this this is the team's wrongdoing in these games. Um, on top of that, to touch on the last point, like what really, in your guys' opinion, what is it going to take for for the Oilers to say, okay, enough's enough with Shirelli? Well, I think if they miss the playoffs, he'll be gone. I, I think yeah. that's that's a certainty. Um, I, I and Rob and I have talked about this before. Mid-season managerial changes don't happen often. They they do happen. They don't happen as often yeah. as coaching changes because it's harder to bring somebody in mid-season who might have a long-term plan for the team. Uh, but I, I I can't see him coming back if they miss the playoffs. And it, there also will have to be a decision made before the trade deadline, looking at what their lineups at and wondering whether or not he will be here at the end of the year. They they're not if they don't feel like he's going to be back, they're not going to let him run a trade deadline. They'll be somewhat yeah. overseeing it. But uh, well, in the next month, you're going to have a good idea of which way it's all going to go. Yeah, it's it's a tough and I and I don't think Charlie's done a good job, Skipper. I mean, Bob and I did midseason grades before the last game, and I gave him an F. So yeah, and I, I listened. I mean, you guys, you guys are dead on, and the viewers need to know that you're dead on, and what you're talking about is right. I, I uh, the the thing is though, here's here's the here's the 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 rub for the Oilers. Okay, so say whatever two weeks from now whatever, you fire Shirelli, and then you say to somebody, okay, you're the interim GM, um, 
but be careful because you're not the long-term GM. So <laughs> then you, you you tie somebody's hands at they're, the deadline that way. They're not. They won't bring an interim in. They, <laughs> I, I don't think they'll 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 Shirelli will be fired unless they have they know exactly who's coming in to take charge. It's too important. Too important a job. Yeah, good call. So, off the top of you guys' heads, what's our draft uh, position looking like over the next five years? Like, I, I, I'm not sure because I haven't really looked at it. But do you guys know off the top like, of your head? Like how deep the classes are? No, like what what kind of picks do we got coming up? Do we have anybody's picks going forward? Oh, oh that, like oh, I other see. other teams? You mean? Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. Um. I know that we just gave up a yeah, third rounder. I'm just going to double check right now because I got it here. Uh, they have. So this year they have. They've traded a third round pick, but they have an extra one. They don't have a fifth rounder this year, and they don't have a seventh rounder in 2020. So they have their first two rounders the next three years. And they don't have any extra ones the next three years? No. Okay. All right. Thanks, Skipper. Appreciate it. Thank, thank you guys very much. Have a good night. Yeah, 7-2 Sharks all over the Oilers tonight. Whenever the Oilers score five or more in a game, we turn on the Japanese Village Goal Light on 630Ched.com. Then you can print up a coupon for a free appy at Japanese Village. Steak and seafood cooked right at your table. Edmonton South, downtown, Northside, and Sherwood Park. Milan Lucic finally scored in the losing effort. Here he is. Way to describe it. You get one, but it's in a avalanche loss. Yeah, it sucks. Uh, opportunity to have a really good road trip here, and um, you know, still good to go uh, 500 uh, on this road trip. But unfortunately, good isn't good enough uh, right now uh, for this hockey club uh, and where we want to go and where we need to be. If we were in a playoff spot, I think we'd be happy with uh, you know four points. But um, with with the spot that we're in, um, you know, it's. Uh, it was a big game and an opportunity to make it a really good road trip. And you know, it's. I think I think the I think the main thing that we have to do moving forward, and we have a day to do it here, is just you know come together as a group, come together as uh, as as players, and come together and 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 uh, play like we like we have each other's back because we do. And uh, this is a good group. This is a group where you know everyone gets along. There's no. There's no issues between guys. There's no cancer in the team. It's just it's just about coming together, and, we, and, and we've shown it that we can do that. And you know, it's 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 not a trade. It's not a uh, it's not the management. It's not the coaches. It's 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 not anyone. It's 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 the players coming together and 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 doing it doing it together and doing it for each other that's going to get us moving the right way we have more than enough games left to, to get it going and um, you know I, th- I think I speak for a lot of guys that uh, you know this this is a team that could to get to where it wants to go once we, we figure out those things you're not that far out like that's yeah I mean it just sucks because you know we're uh, two and seven in our in our last nine, so that's that gets magnified a lot, obviously. And um, but like you said, we're still we're still not completely out of it. Uh, I'm sure, Minnesota lost today, and um, so two points behind the second wild card spot. So um, gotta gotta learn from this one again, and 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 come ready to play. Uh, you know, we we didn't. We didn't do a good enough job in our in our last home stand, so um, 
you know, it's we we gotta we gotta start we gotta start making uh, Rogers place and Edmonton a tough place to play to get us going in the right direction again. All right, that's Milan Lucic. Well, and so up and down all season long. Two, I mean, they got blown out today. Okay, road trip is two and two. But you just lost. I mean, you just lost five in a row at home. Yeah. So why are you two points out of the playoffs? It's probably you know, road record is ten, eleven, and two. You'd like it to be a little better, but the home record's only ten, nine, and one. No, well, they're going to have to improve on their home record. They've got a chance. I mean, we, we looked before January started. This is a a, a schedule that the Oilers can make a run. They're they're, they're not loaded with top teams. There's a number of teams. As, as Jack said, five of the seven games that have coming up are against teams that are on the outside looking into the playoffs. So the Oilers have an opportunity to, to put a run together, and they need to. It's 11:45, 7-2 San Jose all over Edmonton tonight as we check your other scores for Edmonton Trailer. Drive away with your newer used trailer. Head to edmontontrailer.com. As you heard Milan Lucic mention, the Minnesota Wild lost 4-0 in Boston. The Sabres roll over the Devils 5-1. Hurricanes win 4-3 against the Islanders. Penguins 5-1 win over Florida. Capitals beat the Flyers 5-3. Montreal gets a 3-2 decision in Detroit. Tampa Bay shuts out Columbus 4-0. Stars, 3-1 winners over the Blues. Jets win on home ice, 7-4 against the Avalanche. And it's the Golden Knights topping the Rangers 4-2. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown, 780-496-0063. We'll go to Robert. Hey, Robert. Uh, hey, guys. How's it going? Pretty good. Well, I've uh, uh, I got a, I got a couple thoughts tonight. My first thought would be on the goaltending. I wouldn't, I wouldn't blame this one solely on... Talbot or Koskinen because I mean like like you guys have talked about San Jose has, has a ton of firepower they have a ton of guys that can score in San Jose unlike Edmonton is capable of absorbing injuries and they can still win and now my second thought is are they, where they sit now they're 20-20-3 and three, so they got 39 games left if I was doing the math in my head I think they have to win I would say up, up, or upwards in the number of 25 or 26 of the remaining 39 games, and maybe and then maybe with with the two or three overtime shootout losses in there to get them around 96 or 97 points. But that's my that's my sort of magic number for them to make the playoffs. I know yeah. what your guys what your guys thoughts were. That's that's fair. Um, the, the helpful thing to the Oilers is that the playoff cut line might be a little lower than usual. You, you never. I, I mean, I, I. You know what? I have it somewhere in this book of notes. But I, there was. The, I think the least number of points to make the playoffs under this format is eighty nine, and then last year it was. I mean, Florida had ninety six and didn't didn't get in. In, in the West right now, probably going to be about ninety four, ninety five. Yeah, it might be ninety or, or low nineties. But I, I think if the Oilers win twenty five of their remaining thirty nine games, they would get in. I don't think they're good enough to do that. Twenty two or twenty three. Maybe, and then you got to hope. Well, and depending who you beat, too, right? You got a head to head. Well, and it's funny this Minnesota. this road trip that the Oilers just had. They went two and two, and they went two and two against the right teams. Uh, they're they're chasing Anaheim, and Arizona's the closest team to them. So those are the two teams you want to win. LA's in last, or yeah, they're they're in dead last, and you're not catching San Jose. So if you were going to go two and two before the trip, these are the two games that you wanted to win, and the two games you wanted to lose. So. Uh, the Oilers are in it. There, no one is running away in that second wild card spot. I don't. They don't. I don't think they have any chance at all 
of getting a top three oh, no. spot in the Pacific. They are looking for the second playoff or the second wild card, and they're hoping. Like, there's other teams have injuries. Anaheim is beat up. Minnesota Wild are beat up. Those are teams that they're trying to chase for that spot. I, I, I still, I mean, I said this at the start of the month. I think this is this is a really key stretch. If you get through January, you know, without cleft bomb, take advantage of your home games, and and you're right around or in it then you're positioned pretty well. If you can't take advantage of this stretch and you can't survive not having cleft bomb, which they haven't been able to against good teams, mm-hmm. against bad teams, bet- better. But if you start to drop out of it through this stretch of games, it's it's going to I think it could be really ugly coming well, back in February. Their their schedule gets harder. This this is the the, the best part, uh, the best, easiest part of their schedule right now. Yeah, so if you can't jump on those teams, then, no. then you don't deserve it anyway. Yeah, it's true. Jason, go ahead, man. Hey, guys, how you doing tonight? My bad. Uh, that's good. So I was fortunate enough to actually attend the game in San Jose. I'm on a Oilers trip of a lifetime, L.A., Anaheim, and San Jose. But nice. the thing I've seen in the games that I've attended here was that the Oilers don't have a breakout. The defensemen panic. They just nail the puck around the wall. And, of course, our wingers lose every puck battle to try to get it out of the zone. Yeah, you know what? You're right. And I don't think it's they don't have a breakout. I just think they don't have the skill level on the back end to make plays. I mean, you watch, and I know it Burns and Carlson are from a different league, but the plays that are made in, in San Jose's zone tonight, like they're not afraid to make little dink passes or, or throw it back to a guy. Uh, they make a lot of snapping stick-to-stick passes and then stretch someone out. The Oilers on their back end right now, they don't have the guys that are capable of making those plays. You ready to finish yeah. the play? Sure. Right on. We want to put your name into the grand prize draw <coughs> for a one-hour rental at Fast Track Indoor Carding. Safe adrenaline pumping fun. FastTrackCardingEdmonton.com. What do we have, Kellen? To Adam Larson, laced up the right-hand side for Pugliarvi. Centering pass, one-timer score. Milan Lucic from Ryan Nugent Hopkins has cut it to 4-2. All right, Jason, I think you're going to like this one. When Milan Lucic last scored a regular season goal, what country was it in? Do you, do you need multiple <laughs> choice or do you remember? Uh, they were over in Europe. I can't remember... Was they were it in Clefbaum's home country? Were they not? Yes. Yeah. Was it uh, Spain or Sweden? That would be Sweden. Stay on the line, okay? Okay, thanks, guys. All right, Jason got it. That's good. That was good. If he would have said Spain, then we would have had to talk about the Alberta would have been surprising. Ge- geography curriculum in their local schools. <laughs> would have been a surprising choice. It would we'll have. Just, we'll just put it that way. But he got it, so he's a smart man. Oilers lose uh, 7-2 to the San Jose Sharks. He, he mentioned the Oilers... Uh, breaking the puck out, and that's that's a frustration. I, I think it, it goes into a, do a lot of things. Wingers losing puck battles, like mm-hmm. he said. Uh, as you get lower down into the Oilers' depth on D, guys who aren't as good passers, and when they play a team like the Sharks that can ramp up the pressure, you know, then you're rushed, and then yeah, you're just trying to rim it around or throw it off the glass, and that that you know, as much as we were talking about Hitch wanting to play straight line hockey and sometimes just shoot it out but if it's happening when you're under duress you don't have the energy to go chase it well if if the san jose sharks were in their room before the game they're the one thing they'd be talking about get pucks in deep and forecheck 
They're, the, the back end is the, the weakness, the Achilles heel of the Edmonton Oilers. And they did that. They forced, they forced mistakes. And when you force mistakes, you get turnovers. When you get turnovers, you get scoring chances. And the San Jose Sharks had a number of those. And they have, and they have more skill up front. And then conversely for the Oilers, they can't sustain as much pressure because they don't have as many forwards that can get battles, keep plays alive with passes, make creative plays on the offensive end. So it's there's no there's no complementary hockey going on. No, and Puck when always winds up back in the Oilers' end. And when there's the three sentiment are split up, the creativity is on one player on each line. Right. And 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 it's hard. You, you make a play and you expect the puck to be in a certain spot, but it's not there because the other player doesn't see the game the same way you do. All right. Better breakout will be uh, our adjustment of the game for the Alberta College and Association of Chiropractors. If it hurts, see a chiropractor. Visit albertachiro.com. We have Tony online, too. Tony, nice to hear from you. Hey, how's it going, boys? Pretty good. So, uh, I have a few points here. Um, yeah, I know the Ducks are a lot more injured now because of, you know, Eves and everything like that. I just don't understand how, you know, like a good example. In LA, we did not even show up. Not even close. In Anaheim, we shut out Anaheim. Like, that's very unusual, even though what happened to me, David. And then tonight, it, and then tonight it was really like what happened on New Year's Eve, where we didn't show up at all. I'm just wondering, you know, we always come up with a game plan to figure out, you know, oh yeah, you know, we gotta do this and this and this. But yet when the game shows, but yet when the game shows up, it seems like we really were in the locker room and we really take a match and put the, and put a flame to our game plan. Uh, you know what? Like, I, I think on this one tonight, San Jose is just a better hockey club. I think it's just that simple. San Jose we'll, is a better, much better hockey club than the Edmonton Oilers are. And right now, what would you do? Because Clefbaum is out for probably what until he'll February? be out for a few, no, a couple more weeks. Okay, he'll probably miss weeks. at most. At most, he'll miss seven more games. Okay, so I'm wondering this because I want them to make the playoffs. It's possible still. It's yeah, a, it is. Yep, they're only two points it, out. It, yeah, it's possible still. What do we do to make it happen? Because right now, our defense is shot. Our goaltending is. I don't know what's happened to costing him, but he is just not seeing the puck the way he was. And we really have four four guys who are contributing to the scoring. They they have to play better. It's simple as that. There, there's nothing they're gonna they're gonna do. I, go I don't get. know how they bring in a player of that significance. I mean, Bob was talking about okay, maybe you could trade a first round pick. I don't know if he meant now or in the summer, but right now you you can't add any money to the team. Like you can't add any money to the to the to the team. I mean, Salary you, cap. I mean, yeah, with Secra you can fiddle around with the LTIR a little bit, but you can't trade your first round pick this summer for a four million dollar sniper off a, a bad team because he wants to move up in the standings. Like you can't. It's simple. Add that. The like Oilers. That's, the, that's another problem with yeah. what the manager's done. Yeah. The the Oilers. Players have yeah. to do it. Whatever players they have in the dressing room right now has got to get it done. And they got to hope they survive till Clef Mom gets back. And then they got to hope to stay injury free the rest of the yeah, season. Like there's a lot of hope. Yep. Which isn't always the best thing to go on. <laughs> and, and again, when we talk about them playing better, I still question how much better can, can, can they play. Like, sure, the, when you lose a game, you're always going to say you can play better. But I don't. I don't. Like, I can't sit here and look at their record at twenty twenty and three and say, "Oh, they should have twenty seven wins." No, you're right. Like when I look at some of the games they've let slip away, I can say, "You know what? 
Uh, they, they've probably squandered four to six points, not, pro- not 14 to 16. No, like. and there's probably four to six points that they probably didn't deserve in this season, too. I mean, the game, there's been a couple of games in Winnipeg. I mean, Winnipeg should have... An unlikely comeback. Yeah, sure. So, yeah. Yeah. so I think I think where they are right now is where the record should be. I think that's. I think this is what their team is. They are a team that will battle for the second wildcard spot. And that's that's where they are right now. So, I mean, I don't think they're anywhere different than where we expected them to be. All right, we're going to take a quick timeout for the uh, midnight news. If you're on hold, we will get you in. You'll also hear from the Nuge, who played his 500th game tonight, got an assist. Oilers lose 7-2, presented by Osmond Auction. It's Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Live Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Osmond Auction. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio. All right, thanks for tuning in tonight. Oilers lose 7-2 to the San Jose Sharks. Sharks in control throughout this game. They led 3-1 after the first, 5-2 after the second, added a couple more in the third. Talbot started, allowed four goals on 16 shots. Koskinen comes in. He allows three goals on 19 shots on the board for the Oilers. Chason gets his 17th, came on the power play. Lucic gets his second. McDavid, Nurse, Nugent Hopkins, and Puliyarvi had an assist. Good morning. It is 5 after midnight along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in. We have Mike on the open line. Hey, Mike. Hey, Reed and Rob. Hey, man. Um, did, you guys buy, did you guys buy a lottery ticket today? No. Is it a big one? Well, I, I don't know, but Lucic scoring, I think, uh, you know, it's almost like a full moon. <laughs> That's true. It's a good goal. He needs um, a few more of those. Yeah, you know, when when I struggle when I'm playing hockey or even I used to be a, a basketball player in high school, um, and I was struggling with my shooting and, and having a hard time, uh, you, you go to the net, <laughs> you get an easy one, and, and you kind of go from there. No, I'm, you're absolutely right. For, Happy for Lucic, and I, I don't think it's an accident. He gets going playing with uh, Nuge and, and, and Yessi there. Um, one, one question for you guys. I don't have much tonight, but uh, when is the NHL going to start getting serious about uh, hits from behind? So I assume you're bringing up the Petrovic hit today? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean... The NHL has to continue to look after its players, not just star players, all players. Um, the one thing that we always get mad at, Reed and I, is when there is a suspension or something comes down and then the NHLPA goes and appeals it and, and fights for the guy that threw the hit, threw the illegal one. Uh, these are guys' careers. And uh, Petrovich, hopefully it's nothing serious, but the fact that he didn't come back isn't good. That's a play you see a lot. Um I don't. He didn't go after his head. He just went. He did go after the numbers. It's a tough one. I, I know that the Oilers didn't say anything afterwards because you see that play all the time. But I do agree that you want to make sure that all players are safe. This is their livelihood. You don't want to see anyone missing games because of something that is unnecessary and dirty. Yeah, and I, I think you make a good point. And I, there was a lot of chatter on TV, online, uh, the last couple of days after the the Lindholm. Pushing the back on yeah, that David. was much worse. And, yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of people made a great point. You protect the star. Well, protect everybody. Protect everyone. You don't, don't you nobody. don't protect stars. You protect everyone. And yeah, in Edmonton, we're going to talk about it more because it happened to the best player in the Oilers. But I think that's a very mature, balanced way to look at it. You don't want 
Connor McDavid or Joe Gambardella going into the yeah. boards that way. It, it's their livelihood. It's, I mean, and that's where serious injury. Tonight's tonight's wasn't vicious. It wasn't mean. It was a, it was a hockey play where uh, it probably could have been a two minute penalty. But the one, the Lindholm one, that one's dangerous. Tonight's wasn't dangerous. The Lindholm one was dangerous because you're going in at full speed. If you toe pick there, I mean, you're breaking something. Yeah. And you don't need that for any player in the National Hockey League. 7 2 Sharks win it. We'll bring Darren onto the show. Hey, Darren, go ahead. Hey, guys, how you doing? Good. Hey, just a shout out for the late uh, Gene Swazeski. He was a MLA in my area. Really good guy. Anyway. For the city of Edmonton, it's kind of a, you know, a little downer. But anyway, besides that, there was another caller. I think he, he talked about McDavid. I think Brown might have, was it something about him getting on a breakaway, maybe a little clutch or something like that, and he thought there, didn't, you, didn't he? Well, he, he said that Connor McDavid's only had one penalty shot in his career. Okay. So and I said that most players, once Connor gets a step, no one's catching him to even touch him. So that's why. There was the Subban play last year where Subban's stick became lodged in Connor's hip. And yeah. then, right. yeah, yeah. You know what? You know what? I, I think I'll widen it a little bit, little bit more. Besides that, I don't know who the guy was. But I think that there's a problem with, with the way that it's played now. I mean, I watched Gretzky in my days here. You know, the clutching, and then they turn the guy, you know, we we remember the shadowing and all that. But, I mean, with Connor, it's a little different. And, and, and because he's got that speed, it's like he's being punished. And what I'm trying to say is that there is a little more clutching, maybe a little more grabbing that is behind the scenes because he's so fast. And he's skilled besides that. But I think that they're going to they're gonna have to change that a little bit. And... You know, I, and not just because I'm a, you know, I'm a homer. I mean, he, he, he's, there's too much that the, these reps got to start calling on him. And I think maybe that guy was going there, maybe a little bit, because I think Connor, there's too much clutching and grabbing on him behind the scenes, and that, that's enough to, you know what I'm saying? You guys get me or not? Well, I, I think Hitch was trying to make that point after the Vancouver game when he said it's, it's a tug of war, and that it's Connor can't play give and go because it's give and hold. And as he said, he's he's lobbying for his for his player. So, yeah, I mean, I think we're probably going to be talking about this for for a long time, Rob, as long as uh, as long as McDavid here, because Oilers fans want to see him put the Jets on. And well, it, it's it, the fans in Calgary will be calling in their radio shows saying things same things about Goudreau. The ones in Pittsburgh will be saying the same things about Crosby. Yeah, we've seen some of those slashes on yeah. Goudreau's where you're like... Like, he, Goudreau, it's like, are you kidding me? That's not a penalty. And yeah. Crosby's been mugged many, many times in games. The The star players are always like that. And what happens when it happens over and over and over and over again, the ref's not going to call every one. So he calls the ones that he thinks are the biggest infractions. And it's unfortunate. It's one of the things that stars play, star players go through. Yeah. But as we want to reiterate, uh, refing not anything to do with the result tonight. No. Or where the Oilers are this no, actually season. 7-2, the, they lose. Yeah, the Oilers may have benefited tonight in some of the refing calls. Lucas on line one. Hello, Lucas. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Yep. Uh, so uh, you talked uh, earlier about uh, observing after injury, and I just want to touch on defense. And, you know, it seems we have a lot of defensemen. 
Um, we talk uh, about Clef Bomb being out and uh, Sekra. Well, I don't know what's really going on with him. I thought maybe you guys could provide an update on his status if we can get him back. I mean, he's probably. I mean, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, our most expensive uh, D man and uh, yep. probably our most experienced. So uh, it'd be nice to know what his status is. And then when we're talking about guys like Petrovic. Um, you know, did we really gain anything? Was there any kind of strategy for trading for him uh, when you're talking about Shirelli's move with him? And the fact that he's actually from Edmonton, is that an advantage for a player being from, uh, you know, uh, a city where an NHL franchise exists? Is there any advantage to that, or does that actually hinder a player add extra pressure? Would he rather be better off uh, in Florida? Okay. Uh, I thought you guys might want to touch on that. Okay, Thanks, uh, Lucas. your question, well, you answer the Sacro one. Okay, well, Lucas won't like the answer because it continues to be unknown, and this is the time of year where we thought we'd be getting him back. There's still talk that he'd go to for conditioning and play in Bakersfield before he played games for the Oilers. So now we're, are we looking deeper into February for him? I mean, Bob's made references that, is it possible we don't see him this year, unfortunately? And he's around the team more than we are. Yeah. So yeah, as he's with them on the road. Um, yeah, his practices has been, you know, he's participating, but he's never like, oh, you're really in the rotation now. So no no good news uh, on Sacramento. Yeah, there's no like, oh, yeah, right away. Um, as for, for the trades, uh, the Petrovic one was a depth trade. They were looking for someone with a little experience. They thought he was better than Weidman, better than Garrison. Uh, he probably is better than both of those. I'm I'm not sold that he's yet a better fit than Benning, um, but hit the trade for him. I like that trade. It was it was simply you're getting a little more depth and a little better than what you gave up. And really, you gave up a third round pick. Yes, because Weidman and, and, Weidman and that's wasn't the playing. one where the, the the caller earlier asked about their draft picks. They did have two thirds coming up this year. They did give up the higher of the third. But you had an extra pick in that round. Yeah, so I had no Pretty problem with that. Pretty low risk trade. He's a UFA after the season. Yeah, so you're not you're not stuck with a contract. The Manning trade, I did not understand the day they made it. I understand it even less now, and I'm sure it looks not as good since you gave up Kajula, and you took back Manning with another year left on his contract next year, and he's a healthy scratch. And if Petrovich doesn't play against the Florida Panthers next game. Benning to me goes in the lineup, so Manning's not even next in line to go in. So that trade made and he makes more than Kajula. Yeah, it makes no sense at all that trade. Don't get it at all. As for playing in your hometown, uh, I would have loved to have played in my hometown here at Edmonton. Would have loved to. I do believe though it adds extra pressure, and it adds pressure when your team is not doing well or when you're not doing well, because then it's a lot harder to you can't hide. If you're playing in Florida or Anaheim, or you can hide when things aren't going well. You cannot hide in your hometown, especially if your hometown is a Canadian city. Oilers lose 7-2 to San Jose. Career game number 500 for Ryan Nugent Hopkins. They got a couple of fortuitous bounces. Was it just a luck, uh, sorry, a, a type of bounce that just didn't go your way early in that well, one? Um, we're definitely not blaming that game on the bounces <clears throat> by any means. Um, it was the way that we needed to respond to the bad bounces. Uh, we didn't do near a good enough job of that, so it's disappointing. Um, we've had this road trip. I mean, we played two really good games and two bad games, so I mean, we've got to find it 
ourselves to be find that consistency again. What are some of the things that you can take away and maybe ensure that six of your next seven games are on home ice that the Oilers can translate some of that success at Rogers Place? Well, I mean, I think from this road trip we got to take the two wins as positives um, tonight and. LA, uh, not a ton of positives. Um, there, there's some. I mean, uh, the way that we, uh, once we did get it into their zone and started to rag the puck around a little bit and uh, control it, uh, that's when that's uh, that's when we're at our best. And we just uh, um, when we're struggling at nights, we just don't do that good enough. And um, we're, we're not playing as five uh, five guys out there together. So it's uh, tonight wasn't uh, wasn't good enough, and we got to be better uh, at home. Last night to hit that milestone, but still, I mean, that's a that's a nice achievement. Yeah, it's it's right now. It's I don't, it's nothing right now to me. It's yeah. uh, I mean, obviously, it's uh, uh, it was, it's exciting before the game. Uh, it's, uh, it's cool. Um, you don't really think about it throughout the year, throughout your career, but then all of a sudden it, it happens. And it hits you a little bit. Uh, I mean, uh, there's, uh, there's quite a few games, I guess. So uh, no, but it's right now. It's just I mean, it's uh, yeah. I don't know. All right, that's Nuge. Gets an assist. Obviously, uh, not too much to say about the 500th career game. It's a 7-2 loss mm. to the San Jose Sharks. A couple more calls before we hit the sack. Well, Rob and I don't sleep at the station, by the way. We do have separate homes we go to, but it is uh, Dave online, too. Go ahead, Dave. Hey, guys. Good show. Um, I used to ref very, or a very, very high-caliber hockey, and one of the things that uh, that's even bothering me is... Um, the inconsistency this year, and, and I don't know if it's just the last couple of years, but they're trained very, very well. I mean, it's, it's a great program that these guys go through, and uh, uh, to me it almost looks like there's just too much outside pressure. And what I mean by that, guys, is you mandate, you meet as a group, you mandate what calls are going to be called, and then what I mean is if it's going to be a high stick or a checking from behind, some of the things I'm seeing, like especially on McDavid and other players, and it doesn't matter who it is, you put whatever, whatever name on the back. When I've got an official that's on the low side and he's looking directly at it, and it's a blatant hit, that's where I'm not understanding when you're trained that well, gentlemen, that that's happening. And my my final thought, I was just wondering what you guys thought about if Hitchcock will, Hitchcock will stick around and I'll, I'll let you guys go. Very good observations on on the refs, Dave. So thanks for that. Yeah, no, I I agree. Well there. I've always had a love hate relationship when I played, <laughs> and usually it was hate. I love to hate them, but the the one that bothered you. There's two things that bothered you with referees. One when they don't make a call that they're watching, and we saw that the other night with the McDavid one. He's staring right at it. that is a penalty. And he's looking at it and decides in his head that it's not. That one bothered you. The other one when they would say, you know what, you, you, you didn't, that didn't happen. When you, they didn't look at it. And they were like, okay, you didn't see it. You can't say it didn't happen. So those are the two things that bothered you when you with referees. But I agree. If, 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 if a guy's looking at it and the whole world sees one thing, but the guy, the only guy that matters sees something else, now you're like, okay, what, what's going wrong? Why is he not seeing what everyone else is? And it's a little scary because that was a pretty blatant one. As for will Hitch stay around, I don't think even Hitch knows that. I think we'll wait and see how the season unfolds. If they are uh, get to the playoffs and have a playoff run, I would see Hitch back here again next year. Anything other than that, 
he it might not be his decision. It might be a different GM's decision. Yeah, that's a good point. But you're right. I mean, first of all, it it stems from him. Yep. But as you said, he when he retired last spring, he's retired till someone offers him another yeah. job. <laughs> Little did we know it would be the Oilers. And another thing that'll play into Hitch's future, and this is probably more of an April or May conversation, but we'll, we'll have it a bit now, is all the players do exit interviews, mm-hmm. and all the players are going to talk to whoever the GM is or who's running the show. If I'm not, I'm not suggesting all the players are going to pick the coach, but if Connor McDavid, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and Leon Dreisaitl all say, my God, I've never loved a coach as much as I loved Hitch, mm-hmm. playoffs or not, that might... And uh, vice, that would have some sway. And vice versa. If they were to walk in, you know, you know what? I, I couldn't play for that guy again. It was, that was just miserable. So, I mean, yeah. But it, you were never miserable with Hitch when you played for him. Oh, all the time. <laughs> all the time. Hitch, yeah. Not my favorite coach ever. But I tell you, he is hard on you. He's your favorite and least favorite coach ever. Well, no, the Pittsburgh and, guy's your least favorite. Oh, yeah, there's a few. I got a few least favorites. And I'm probably his favorite and least favorite player he ever had, too. We have Rocket on the line. Oilers lose 7-2. Hey, Rocket. Hey, how you doing, guys? Not bad. So, say uh, I had a company and I hired you guys to... Do some IT work for me. Well, then your company's going to fail then because I'm terrible at that. I hope this is all hypothetical, no, Rocket. No, it's all, it's all hypothetical. Oh, okay, then, then I want to race. And like, just, just say that you you found me something, like a client. You found me a client that needed some help okay. with some stuff. And I offered you a 60-40 deal for the rest of your life. Which means, basically, you found me a client, I'll pay you 40% anytime I ever go through this client, this is your client, I make 60, you make 40. Would that be a good deal? Like in perpetuity until I die? Yep. Even if I'm retired? Yep. I like it. I'd probably do that. Yeah. Call it residual. Yeah, I'd probably do that. No, I'm interested where we're going with this. (laughs) Okay. So, we're talking hockey players now that do not do that. They're getting, like, paid $2.5 million to do what they're expected to do. There's no win-win situation like I just presented you. Correct? Okay. Well, let's keep going, Rocket. I want to see where you're going. Okay. So, what do you do now when... You're presented with something that's perfect, like I just gave you, versus what Shirelli's going through and and having to deal with unknowns, like how is this guy actually going to perform? Yeah, but in, but in a hockey world, there isn't your scenario. There's only Shirelli's scenario. So it, it, you, you pay a player and you hope that he lives up to that contract. And sometimes, actually, you you pay a player and you hope that he plays better than his contract. That's your first hope. Second hope is you hope that he lives up to the contract. Unfortunately, there's a lot of contracts out there. Every team has them where the player is not playing up to his potential. Two guys in Dallas just got called out. Ben and Sagan, their two best players, just got called out by their CEO. Uh, So there's a number of players in the National Hockey League who aren't living up to people's expectations 
but that's the that's the the risk you take when you sign someone, especially when you sign someone long term. So my offer is perfect because it stands as I just stated it. Well, because hypothetically, I wouldn't have to do any work after X number of years and still get paid. Actually, you would never have to do any work. All you have to do is just find me somebody. I do all the work, and you make 40%, and that's basically how it works. Okay, but how is how does that come into play with a hockey team? Oh, man, in so many different ways. <laughs> we just don't have enough time to talk about it. All right. Uh, it does, though, Rob. I'm sorry. No, I've, I've just, but I, I don't, I don't understand. Because are it, you, you saying that players? Do, it are, has to do with first of all building a team and building, uh, just building an environment that's uh, foolproof, if you will. And that's the hardest part about building a Stanley Cup winning team is you're never assured that this guy, that guy, or whatever guy is going to work out versus what I just described. Yeah, but oh, sure. yeah you're right, but no, that your way is not possible because it doesn't happen. So Actually, you... It does. Huh? Actually, it is happening. Where? In the NHL? Guys are play, getting no, paid? No, no. Oh, no, yeah, he's but I'm not, talking, yeah, we're talking a hockey team, though. It doesn't happen in hockey. I don't, so, I don't. Yeah. so you got to, so Peter Shirelli's got to make good decisions, and but some of the decisions he's made it wasn't hindsight we're looking at saying, ooh, that wasn't a right call. Some of the decisions at the time of people said that wasn't the right call. Yeah, because because we wanted, like everybody thought it was going to be like a, a big league team and, and the West was big and tough and strong and that's all you heard on 10, 12, 60, 630 Chad. Big, tough, strong, you need to be big. Obviously, Patrick Maroon, Lucic, now where are we at? Now it's different. Now it's fast. Well, now it's, and you got to remember too, Rocket. Readjusting. Yeah. Now we're readjusting, and that's not easy to readjust. No, yeah. but some teams have got it right the first time. That's that's the thing. And you got to remember the year the Oilers made the playoffs. Milan Lucic and Patrick Maroon combined for fifty goals. We're we're readjusting based on Milan Lucic on that car park interview when. Roger's place was like finally done. Like that's how far we're going back. And I'm not I'm not like bashing Lucic or anything like that. I'm not. Trust me. Like there are other players that have come in and done very well like you know like um Chase on. You know, this guy's a, a big surprise and and we're going to have like but this is where we're at and the league changed, and I don't know. Like, I don't know. I don't know why we went big. Yeah, it's, o- it's okay, Rocket. We're going to run along, okay, buddy? Yep, I it's hear getting it. late. Thanks for calling. Oilers blown out 7-2 by the San Jose Sharks. Stoffer will have Oilers now noon to 2 later today. I'll have inside sports from 6 to 8. Oilers are back home on Thursday. To play Florida. 5.30 face-off show. The game will start at 7. All here on 6.30 Chet. Thanks to our studio producer, Kellen Kennedy. You can get more on 6.30Chet.com. Oilers Hockey presented by Osmond Auction. You've been listening to Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Have a great night.